0: Hope Church I see all those kids running upstairs to worship and to um, have their their Bible story and their other activities and just that's a that's a blessing um, this morning um, you know before we start this morning I uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and confess to you that I'm, I'm kind of a hot mess this morning I'm just going to go ahead and and throw that um, out there. The last couple of weeks have been, um, you know, an emotional roller coaster. And uh, you know, from the previous Sunday, the week before that, we had one of our brothers in, in Mexico was kidnapped, and um, thankfully, you know, he was released. You know, that really didn't have anything to do with his work there. He was just a taxi driver, and I mean, it didn't have anything to do with the Lord, really except for that it is a spiritual battle that we're in. Um, but they weren't targeting him because he was a believer. He was just a taxi driver and an easy target for quick cash. And um, thankful that he's back with his family and safe. Um, and then this yesterday, family went to um, Augusta for a funeral. Long-time family friends. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, when there's different levels of grief, when with different situations, right? I mean, every death is sad. Like every death causes you to grieve. Um, but when things are, in our perspective, out of time, you know, when when you have a forty-six-year-old mother of three and husband, you know, with living parents, you know, that's it's out of time, you know, and um, it's, it's from our perspective. And and we have a, a difficulty, you know, with with that. Um, so this morning we're going to be in a couple different places, but I, but I, I pray that it all fit together. I pray this holy that this morning the Holy Spirit would move and work <laughs> because again, I, like I said, I don't have much for you. Uh, the truth of the matter is, if if it's ever me, there's not much there for you. No. You know, I mean, we are. And the same is true in your life and in your attempt to serve the Lord and do good for for other people. Like If it's in you, that's not going to do a whole lot of good for people. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working through you. We are vessels. We are not the power. God is the power that works in us and through us. We are not the power. What we are is either willing participants in the power of God at work through us, or idle without power, or attempting to do work in the flesh without power, and, and all that just gets ugly. You know, we have to be in the Spirit. In the Spirit of God. And so let's pray this morning. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, to, to work among us this morning and to teach us. And Lord, we come to you, Heavenly Father, we come to you and we say, we need you. Lord, we need you to fill us with your Spirit, to give us your perspective. Lord, we can barely see the hand in front of our face and yet you see all of eternity. We are so limited and you are unlimited. We question why and and you know every answer. And so Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you. Lord, help us To truly believe and to live out, as we've sung this morning, how beautiful you are. And that you are good. And help us, Lord, when we don't understand. To trust. And to give thanks. That you are our great God. Lord Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father but by You. Your Word says that there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Lord, may we live in that reality for Your glory and Your honor, dear Jesus, by the power of Your Spirit. In Your name, Jesus, we ask it. Amen. So I just want to start 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 um, at the end of this letter that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica in the beginning of the book it's awesome because he talks I mean, I just want to go back and just read a couple verses because man, I mean, imagine this being said about any church like imagine this being said about our, our church like wouldn't you want these things said, and I'm going to deal with small print this morning. A lot of times I... Yeah, never mind. I'm not going to go there. But uh, he says this. Verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you and not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And how you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction and the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now there's a couple points in there that are are really important, but on that theme this morning, the Word came in in power in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just Paul and and, his. That group of missionaries going, you know, and just, and just saying the words. And if you just, you know, say the words that, you know, the things are going to happen. That there's, you know, you've done, well, you've done your bit. No, it came in power. And that power we know in the early church came out of prayer. There was prayer and then there was power. And then there was people having their lives changed. There was prayer and power. And then that changed people. But you know, I I think sometimes we believe this law that if we're just good people, then people around us will change. That's not how it works. Yeah, they might become a little bit better people, but are they going to go from death to life? Just by you being a nice person? Saying God loves you. Doesn't work. It has to be prayer and power. And we have to be obedient and faithful and trust the Lord to do the work. And again, we're not responsible you know, for the results. It's, the scripture says it's the Lord who gives the increase. You know, our obedient, our our place is obedience. To be obedient in prayer, to be obedient in power, to be obedient. Mediate in proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And people are going to be affected by that one way or another. Either they're going to stumble over Jesus, the rock of offense, or they're going to build their life on Him, the rock of life and truth. That's the result of that. People will be affected. It doesn't mean they're all going to become believers. But they'll either take their stand or take their fall on Jesus. And he says the word, you know, their lives changed. You know, it says they went from idols, they went from worshiping false things to the true and living God. And again, you know, we we live in a in a time not so different than what the early church lived in. You know, we want to make it like this thing, well, you know, people are, you know, they believe all these different things now. What, like they didn't believe all these different things in the the time of, of Jesus? You didn't have all these different religions? I mean, you had multitudes of gods in Thessalonica. But can you imagine if they had walked into the city and their message was, you know, your religion is just as good as what we believe. And your ways are just as valid as our ways. And, you know, your, your things that you do for your gods, you know, your sexual sins and, you know, your, your, your profanity in, all, in your life, your profane life. Eh, I mean, it's just as good as what we believe. I mean, who are we to judge? I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, would that convince anyone? You know, I mean, just, you know, you might want to look into our Jesus because he's a really nice guy. Can you imagine if that had been the thing? Just, Just come into our, you know, Jesus is a really nice guy, so you might want to consider him too. No, that wasn't the message. The message was that you're believing laws, that these are false things, that your lives are going to ruin, that the wrath of God is coming in judgment, but there's a true and living God who, who loves you and who made a way, a sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead. That was the message. Turn from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That ties into our message from last week, where you know that popular song you've heard on the radio, um, Christian radio, God of Vengeance. (laughs) No, you actually haven't heard that song on the radio because nobody's going to write and play that song. But God is a God of vengeance in that he will do justice. Sin will be paid for. Now here's the reality. It's already been paid for at the cross. Jesus paid for it. But when people refuse to have the work of Jesus put to their account, they remain in their sin. Don't get it twisted. It's been paid for. I mean, that's clear in Scripture. 1 John chapter 2. He is the propitiation, or he is the full payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Don't get it twisted. Jesus, at the cross, paid for every sin. But that transfer to your account comes about at the moment you humble yourself before God and say, Save me. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me, that you rose again. And what happens in that exchange is that our, you know, what was on our account as sin, that's when the transfer takes place. And the righteousness of Jesus is put onto our account. And we're transformed. You know, and with that, there's an expectation that he's not only going to be our Savior, but Jesus is also our King. You know, our Lord. Now, I mean, could you imagine people coming to Jesus and, like, you know, Jesus, I, I want you to save me, but I still want to be, like, king of my own life and everything. Is that a good deal? Like, can we just do that? Like, that doesn't work. He's king, He's king of the universe. We are His, He bought us at a price. I understand these can be unpopular messages. And it breaks my heart this morning that all over the world, but here particularly, all over the South, there will be buildings full of people thinking they are right with God. And there is no gospel. And there is no power. The Holy Spirit is not there. The fellowship of God is not there. Often, nothing more than a social club. Because it's nice to have community, or at least the illusion of it. And it's nice to have some business contacts. And it's nice for your kids to have people to go to parties with when it's their birthday. But what is that without the power of God? You know, we have so many... So many things that are called churches, where the message would be, you know, if all these religions, you know, were of equal value. You know, I, you know, this is reality. You know, whoever hears this message, in person, online, whatever it is, doesn't matter. If you walk into a building if the people that are in leadership in that building are not willing to say that Jesus is the way the truth and the life no one comes up to the father but by him don't walk away. Run. You know, I mean, preach the gospel first, but then run. Like that is it's it's ridiculous. And and, and I wish a lot of them would just you know change the take church off the front of it, and just put such and such social club you know and it it should break our hearts and because what breaks my heart about that is because you know the the person who's an atheist who's defiant and says, "I reject God or any concept of God like they're aware of the decision that they're making like they're making a like At least they think they're making an educated decision. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they they have thought about it, at least, and have said, these are my options, and I reject this. Okay. Now, do I feel terrible for that person? Do we want to reach that person? Absolutely. But what's sadder to me is people who think, who've been taught that just by being nice and by being part of this whatever organization... That they're right with God. Like, it should break our heart to see like what the Pharisees were under or what other groups were under in the time of, of Jesus. You know, it, you, you feel like Jesus, I mean, he, he gave it to the leaders of it, but you know, there were so many other people affected by it. And it breaks your heart for those people who were just under the sway of bad leadership. And so it should, it should break our hearts for people who have been, in many ways, you know, socially conditioned to believe a false gospel, that everybody's going to be okay at the end of the day. It should break our hearts for those people that they sit under that type of teaching week after week after week and are brainwashed into thinking that God really isn't very serious about sin. That should break our hearts, but there are thousands of people in our community that meet that description, and I know that's not popular. I know that that kind of makes us twins a little bit because, you know, we don't want to be meanies, and and that's not out of any desire to be mean. It's not mean. It's out of love. It's out of love. It's kind of like, imagine you were really sick. And instead of, there's a real medicine that can cure you. And instead of the people around you giving that, you that real medicine, they're giving you some placebo thing that's not going to do anything for you. But you think, you're all right. I'm going to get better. Because they're injecting me with this thing. I'm going to be all right. And one day you're dead. And what I mean by dead scriptural terms is separated from God in an eternal state. That's what the ultimate death is. It's not the separation. I mean, there's a type of death. At the funeral yesterday, we were there because someone's spirit was separated from her body. But she's not dead in the spiritual, eternal sense because she is with her Savior. If she didn't have her Savior, she would be eternally dead, separated from God. That's the difference. That's the difference. When you see that grave or that casket, is the person dead yet alive, or is the person dead and dead? That's serious. That's serious. But we get so worked up and I understand it. I mean, I'm emotional about this. It's my friend. And, but the reality is, I'm not so sad for her. I'm sad for her for her. what she missed out on with her kids and her husband. And I'm sad for her kids. But you know who isn't sad this morning? Jenny Hollingsworth Gunter. She ain't sad. She's never been more joyous. Because she's with her savior. But I was talking to um, Jaime, we we're just talking about you know what in Mexico and the indigenous people we work with in the mountains, you know, like what percent of those of the folks there actually believe in Jesus and have a relationship with him? And the number from the numbers are painful cuz the best that we can conclude not from just us but other research that's been done in that area is less than 1%. And the other night I was I was convicted because I have more sadness over my one friend who knew Jesus is eternally in His presence, than for a multitude of people dying without God. How is that? And I think that the issue is, you know, we well that was a lifelong friend and that's your your family friends and generations, your parents and their parents and everything else. And I mean, of course I should be sad about that. That's not wrong. But the problem on the other side is that it's not so personal. That should be a very personal thing. It should be very personal that nearly 200,000 people Are living and dying without Jesus. That should be a very personal thing, and it is. I mean, don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying, because over the years, I have shed tears for those people, but I haven't shed tears for them recently. And so it was a heart check. It's like, where where's your heart? Where's your heart? You know, and, and I, I want to say that about our whole world, you know, where's our heart? But in the communities that God's laid on your heart, where's your heart? You know, we, we, around town, you, know, you still see a lot of bumper stickers. That, you know, and I know it was a campaign thing or whatever. But still, a lot of bumper stickers says, Athens, I love you. Yeah. Is that true? Because for a follower of Jesus, when you love people, you share the gospel with them. So we're going to say, Athens, I love you. The next question is, is that true? Because we do love our city. I mean, I get it. But, I mean, are we showing that we love our city? By sharing the gospel with the people that are there? Whatever community you're in, whatever people are around you, like, say, I love them. Well, scripturally defined, that love will certainly include Jesus, our Savior and King, clear. Our friend Jenny was a teacher, and it was amazing to see so many of her students um, present and past at the funeral. They had no doubt, not just at her funeral, they didn't hear the gospel at her funeral for the first time. They heard the gospel because she told them the gospel. There is one student she wanted to see before she passed, when she went to the school, because she had led that student to the Lord. That's love. For a follower of Jesus, that's what love looks like. A life that's built around and focused on the eternal, because it's built around and focused on Jesus. I mean, she didn't play; she was she was serious. You know, her sister said, "I don't." You know, her younger sister um, gave testimony of, of Jenny holding her. Her babies and praying, Lord, if this one won't come to know you later on, please take them now. That's an eternal perspective. Like, please take her, take this, this little one to be safe in, with you now. Don't let this person, don't let this one grow up to be without you. That's a strong prayer. Her sister Sarah said, I didn't understand it and then I had my own. Pray the same prayer. It's an eternal perspective of what really matters. Because this life is Incredibly difficult and incredibly short. It is just a drop. You know, if you think about your life as like one drop of water that falls from the sky, you know, hits the desert and evaporates, and eternity is a you know, you've got all the oceans in the world, all the water, all the oceans in the world. And yet, when you've dropped all those out of the dropper, it, it, you haven't taken anything away. I mean, eternity is eternity. On and on and on with no end. So our lives are, well, the Scripture says, like a blade of grass sprouts up and is scorched by the afternoon sun. It goes away. They're short people. I've been thinking about that probably a little too much here recently, (laughs) to be honest with you. But I go, man, you know, the years are moving. And we we need them to count for Jesus. So going to the end of 1 Thessalonians... Verse 14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Same thing from last week in Romans 12. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So again, that good that we seek to do going to be in many forms, but it's also what? It's going to include the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. See, to do good to one another and to everyone. You know, that's one of the things you get to see in a in a time of difficulty, as people rally around and, and help, right? And that's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ. You know, when, with the situation in Mexico, you know there were so many people praying about that. The body of Christ coming together with this um, situation, with this death, and Augusta. So many people in that community, and from many other places, you know, surrounding. With with love and with help, you know, just for us um, to go to the to the funeral, you know, yesterday, um, at different points, M- Michelle and Anisha and Megan all came and watched our kids, so that we could we could go and we could we could have that time. Um, and so that's that's just that's an example of what it means to do good to one another. To care for each other, to look out for each other, and we need to make sure as a community, you know, we're we're doing that and striving to do that. And you know, when we see a need, we sacrifice and we step in. And you know, there's um, other things people want to do with their time, but we do what is what is helpful and, and what is needed. And then this, man, if this doesn't speak. Verse 16 is Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That goes beyond circumstances because again, if you have an eternal perspective you can always have something to rejoice about. Pray without ceasing. Keep on praying and praying and praying and praying, I mean if this was written in Southern, it'd be like, y'all keep on praying now. <laughs> you yeah, keep on praying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know somebody's got to do that one day. You write a southern like a Southern translation mm-hmm. um, Give thanks. <laughs> in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, we need to be really clear. Give thanks in all circumstances. We don't We don't have, we don't give thanks for all circumstances. There's a big difference. And sometimes people misunderstand this verse and think that they're supposed to be like giving thanks for cancer. I mean, let's just take this to its logical extreme. You know, give thanks for genocide. Lord, we thank you for the genocide our people are receiving. Like that in no way makes any sense according to the scriptures, but people read this verse and get it messed up. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because this is the testimony of followers of Jesus that we mourn, but we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have a hope and our hope is eternal and secure in Jesus Christ himself. So we mourn under terrible circumstances, but as those who have hope and who have the ability... To give thanks for the good that is also present. And in some cases, you say, well, what good is present? Because this is pretty awful. We give thanks that our God is good. And that he is a God of love and justice. Again, from the eternal perspective, no matter the circumstance, we have a reason to give thanks. Now, that's tough, and I think we have to make up our minds about that and understand that when things don't stink. Because if you're sitting there going, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to give God thanks in all circumstances, you know, we'll wait and see when tragedy comes that might not work out so well. You know, We need to be firm in our faith and understand up front that we believe the truth. Because our emotions are going to lie to us. Our emotions look at a situation like yesterday and, and go, or this this week and with this, this passing, and say, our emotions say, nothing but bad here. You know, our emotions lie to us. And if you're a really emotional person, all the more you have to decide, I'm going to believe the truth and not how I feel in that moment. You know, and, and, I, and I'm afraid that, again, this is a sign of the times in our, our current church culture that, that faith and feelings are about synonymous. Synonymous among a lot of people well all the emphasis is about how you feel well as far as with Jesus our emphasis needs to be on God and his truth because you know what our feelings are going to do they're going to change you know what God doesn't do change our feelings are going to change change God doesn't change. so even, And it's okay to be, be honest and to say, Lord, I feel nothing but bad about this. I feel that this is 100% stink. But I believe that your word is true and that you are true, and that you are good. And so please help me until my emotions can, can line back up with that again. But that's where we have to be. You know, it, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. just give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. Now, unfortunately, a lot of our college students are already on their, their breaks. And not here this morning. But we all do this, whether you're college student or not. But, you know, we ask that question various times. But particularly when we're younger, you know, we ask this question like, you know, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And you know what we want? We want Because we, what we want, what we're really asking, is like real specific yeah, we're, we're asking, like, exactly what is my major supposed to be, and then my profession, and then the person I'm supposed to you know, be with, this and that, and all this, where I'm supposed to live, and, and all these, like, all the plans, right? So it's fun when somebody says, I'm trying to figure out what God's will for my life is, to open up the verses that talk about God's will for your life, and one of them is like, God's will for your life, like, like flee sexual immorality, for that's the will of God for you. Like, it's there together. Right? You know what the will of God is? For you to be, like, live for Jesus and, and not your flesh. Oh, well, what's the will of God for your life? Well, the will of God for you is to give thanks in all circumstances. And you can practice as you prepare for your OCHEM test or whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Man, want to accomplish the will of God? Give thanks, not for, but in all circumstances. Sometimes prepositions matter. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Because you see, here's the reality of it. Without being in Christ Jesus without being full of the Holy Spirit, try to give thanks in all circumstances. That's not going to work out so well. We have to be filled with the Spirit. Because then the very next thing he says is, do not quench the Spirit. See how those are connected? Give thanks. For this is the will of God, Christ Jesus, for you. Do not quench the Spirit. You know, I think sometimes, especially like this little passage, I mean, for example... Verse 16 is two words. Like, when, when the person's writing here, they're not trying to get you just to like break up and pull out those two words and just have those and not the rest of the words in the thought, in the paragraph. Okay? So I think in this particular passage, you know, write it out without the, ver- the numbers, without the verse numbers, so that you can see the complete thought together without somebody else breaking it up for you. Get the complete thought. Because do not quench the Spirit has to be connected to giving thanks to God in all circumstances. Because how in the world are you going to give thanks to God in all circumstances without the Holy Spirit? How in the world could you do that? Without the active power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why yesterday I was saying, I don't understand. I, I don't understand How people can endure tragedy without Jesus and without being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it. Because it's hard enough (coughs) with God. Trying to do that without God, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. You talk about tragedy, that's tragic. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. And hold to what is good. Test everything. Listen folks. Test everything that is preached in this church. By anyone. By the word of God. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. To test everything. You listen to somebody on podcasts. Whatever. Test it. Test it by the Word of God. Because you know what? Nobody's going to have it right all the time. (laughs) And especially when you get into things that are, you know, more opinion-based and whatever else. But test it. Because some things sound great on the surface. And then you start to test it by the Word of God. And you go, wait a second. Wait a second. Test it. Test it. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? That's the question. Test it. Hold fast to what is good. Anything good you receive from this morning, hold it. Keep it. Make it part of who you are. Anything that's not, trash can, toilet, wherever you want to dispose of it, just get rid of it. Garbage. If it's not according to the word of God, it's garbage. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That's part of the will of God for us. Do not participate in evil. Abstain from evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I mean set you apart. Set you apart from what? Why do you need to be set apart? Because we're to be in the world but not of the world. This is where we reside but we're not supposed to be like it. When we start being like the world then again we lose our power. We lose our message. And that's where you have people walking in and going you know I mean Jesus is a nice guy. Take him or leave him. you know, Add him on to your thing. You do you. As long as I don't offend somebody. As long as I don't offend somebody, then, you know, I've done my job, right? That's our greatest cultural value maybe right now is just not to offend somebody. Not offend people all the way to hell. That's great. That's just great. I mean, folks, again, people, because... Because I've seen it both ways, folks. I've seen it both ways, and we don't want to be either of these things. I see people, you know, get up and preach, or on the, you know, whether in a, in a building or, or on the street or one on one, and there's no love there. It's just, I got to win the an argument and show you that I'm right. You know what that normally accomplishes? Nothing good. And I've seen the other, which is more, much more common. I just don't want to offend you. So, you know, instead of making any sort of ruckus, we'll just let you quietly go to hell. Because we wouldn't want to rock the boat at all. Just <laughs> quietly on your way, slowly, year by year, to the grave. To eternal separation from God. But you know, when you're on your deathbed and you thought of me, you thought, man, he's a nice guy. Nice guy. Glad he was my friend. You gotta love better than that. You gotta love better than that. Because if you do it right, people will know two things. They will know God loves them. They will know, well, they'll know more than two things. They'll know God loves them. They'll know you love them. And they'll know what the gospel actually says. They will know those things. I'm thankful that I have people. I mean, it breaks my heart, but I have people in my life who say, I I know that you're telling me this because you love me. I don't believe it, but I'm telling you this because I know you love me. Well... What do we do with that? Keep praying. Keep praying for Nima at the bar. Don't know if you ever hear this, but he's heard it plenty from my lips of what the truth is. And I don't say that as like, give me a pat on the back. I just say that that. That's an example of somebody I love and I don't love everybody that well. But I want to. I want to love everybody that well. We want to love people well enough that they don't have any question about what the gospel is. going to read this to finish and I'll stop I'll, I'll shut up I'll stop talking but in Acts chapter 4 so chapter 3 they had um, healed the apostles and had healed this beggar and he goes rejoicing and the more people become um, believers In Jesus the church is growing and the religious leaders go and and grab a couple of the apostles. Now listen to this. In verse 5, On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the gospel. Jesus, crucified, buried, risen, that there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. That is the message of Jesus Christ. That is the message of the gospel. It is either true or it is false. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's either telling the truth, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, or Jesus Christ is a liar. There's no in-between on that, folks. There is no in-between on that. And so if we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then we should not be ashamed. And yet, you know what? The religious leaders here, they didn't like to hear that. They did not like it. They did not like make some great friends that day. But later on, I mean, in the book of Acts, at the end of the day, we also see many of the religious leaders come to be followers of Jesus and part of the church. I'm convinced... That in especially here in the South, we need to preach the gospel everywhere, but also in churches and things that call themselves churches. We need it, folks. We need it. Because people without the Lord need it. So whatever we're doing, the gospel of Jesus has to be primary. Whatever it is. Whatever the Lord has you doing. man, I can tell you this one without doubt. Jesus said it in Matthew 28. Great Commission. Go into all the world. Make disciples. He said He's with us. Jesus is with us. Man, you want the will of God in your life? Wherever you are, make disciples. God has you... You know, ride right on, the, on the back of a garbage truck. That's his will for your life. That's what he wants you to do. Praise God and go make disciples. He has you to be a doctor. Praise God. Go make disciples. Teacher, praise God. Go make disciples. Student, praise God. Go make disciples. Like, we get caught up in all the details when the, the key... Is God, wherever you put me, I want to glorify you and make disciples. Wherever you have me go, whatever you have me do, go and make disciples. Make disciples. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Work in us and through us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would fill us so much with your Holy Spirit that we don't want to have anything to do with sin. I pray that you would fill us so much with your Holy Spirit that we love people like you do. I pray that you'd fill us so much with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we wouldn't rest until we've done your work each day. Lord Jesus, you promise that you're with us. Be with us now. We know you're here, Lord. But make yourself known. We take the bread and the cup this morning. Jesus, please make yourself known to us. We need you. Our city needs you, Jesus. Those precious people in the mountains around Orosaba, they need you, Jesus. Make yourself known. Make yourself known through your people. Lord, there's people in Idaho, Wyoming, they need you. Fill the woods with your spirit, Lord. Lord, got the news from a friend. My friend Iraq, Rock, a young man, put his faith in you. Let there be thousands, Lord. Help us not to waste our days, Lord. There are few. So few. Use us, Lord. Make miracles, Lord. Do the things we never thought could be done. Give us faith, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Mm -hmm.